Good morning. Uh, we continue in our study of the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. He has been explaining to us the issues of both religious people and irreligious people. And the need, whether you are religious or irreligious, for Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your sins. Now what Paul is getting at here is that there's a there's a, a tragedy, not just of our lives, but of those particularly who are religious, of insisting that we're not so bad. Actually thinking that we're pretty good because we often can compare ourselves favorably to other people. And so Paul, Paul is rather relentless in his conviction and in his analysis that the human heart and human nature have to be exposed even at a great length. And really he's trying to bring us to the place and he'll get to this in chapter 3 where finally any defense of our goodness or any excuses or reasons justifying ourselves, we just, we just our mouths are shut and our hands are thrown up and we begin to admit that we are guilty and that we are objects of condemnation before a holy God. But as he, you know, is, is trying to get this across of our great need, he's going to also tell us in a wonderful way in chapter 3 that, you know, you've got to understand how bad you are before you'll discover, you know, even that, even that you're worse off than you feared, but then you'll discover as you turn the corner that God is infinitely and exquisitely good And he's far better than you ever could have imagined. And certainly far better than we ever deserved. So now he's he's honing in on the religious. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 25, we'll read through verse 29. And Paul writes, For circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, then your circumcision actually becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his circumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. See, I mean, we'll unpack what this means, but you've got to kind of understand the context of this, this passage. Paul, as soon as he was converted to Christianity, started preaching, even in Damascus. And he went to the synagogues and he began to preach because of the vision and the conversion he had experienced of Jesus Christ personally speaking to him and, and revealing to Paul by vision that he, that Jesus is the son of God and is the Messiah. So, so Paul would go to the synagogue and he began to speak to the Jewish people 
about the Messiah being Jesus and being the Savior for the Jews as well as for the whole world. And any synagogue he went into because of what he was preaching, he began to face incredible hostility. This happened in Pisidia and Antioch. It happened in Iconium and Lystra and Thessalonica and Berea and Corinth and Ephesus and Jerusalem. And even right to the end, it happened in Rome itself, of, to the end of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. So Paul is writing this, not in some kind of uh, hypothetical situation, but because he is, he's faced this again and again of how religious people, the, the, the religious Jews, would respond to his teaching. And he, he basically got two responses. People would say, look, we don't need a savior. We have the Torah. And so they, they would see themselves, because they had the Torah, because they had the law of God, they would see themselves in such distinction from the Gentile world. They would see themselves as so much superior because they had the Torah. And Paul has said about the Torah and about having the law, of Paul has said, yes, you have the privilege of the law of God. But he says, but that privilege is actually not saving you it's not preserving you it's actually exposing the sinfulness of your hearts you know and so once he has unpacked that objection and said look this privilege of the torah is only exposing how imperfect you are now, let me give you a quick illustration of this i heard in a way Trying to keep the law could be, the analogy could be that someone challenges you to swim from Hawaii to California. And, and again, there's no boats, you just have to swim. Just you on your own have to swim from Hawaii to California. Well, here's the conclusion of such a swim. Everybody dies. Nobody can swim from Hawaii to California, no matter what. But some people are a little better swimmers than others, so they might swim longer, but the outcome is the same. And in a way, what Paul is saying is that being right with God by works righteousness, by, by trying to make yourself good, by trying to fulfill all the commandments of God and line your life up to the moral character of God, is a little bit like swimming from Hawaii to California. Yes, you can clearly see that the Gentiles aren't even close. It was easy for the Jews to see that, but what was hard for them to see, because they saw themselves as such better swimmers, it was hard for them to see that they weren't making it either, and that the law was just as it was exposing the unrighteousness of the Gentiles, it was exposing the unrighteousness of the religious Jewish people. So then he said, Paul says, okay, I've dealt with your privilege of the law. But he turns to what he knows they're going to they're gonna say, look, we have a sign that we belong to God. And that sign is circumcision. And that sign and symbol they held as precious in their community. It was a distinguishing marker, circumcision, that they alone of all peoples we're the people of God. And so he's dealt with the law. Now he's got to deal with the sign 
of the covenant. Because in a way, here is that greatest of privileges. I have a mark in my body, on my body, that says I belong to God. And so, you know, it's very instinctive for religious people to say, well, well, of course, people without... We could say this about ourselves today. We could say people without the Bible, without knowledge of God, you know, but we've got the Bible. You know, in a way you could say, well, you can go on and on about my sin, but I've been baptized. And for many people, they've been baptized when they were children. They were baptized perhaps when they were youth, or perhaps they've even been baptized as adults. You see, there's, there's an appeal and, and a, uh, an appeal to security, an appeal that, that many make to the sign that this sign makes me different and this sign makes me safe. Well, and, and there are some similarities between baptism and circumcision. It's not completely parallel, but there are some similarities. There are signs of the covenant relationship with God, but, but circumcision is unique. It was given to Abraham. And it was a painful and bloody sign, but it was a sign of the grace of God. It was all pointing to, again, everything in, in circumcision and baptism, every sign points to Jesus Christ. It was underscored for Abraham that what God was doing for Abraham and his descendants in his covenantal mercy was that he was cutting Abraham off for God himself. He was reserving him and his offspring for God. You see, God, God's intent all along was to preserve a people holy unto the Lord, separated unto the Lord, through whom the Messiah could come. That was to come not just through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but through Judah, through David. And so Jesus is the purpose and the intent of God setting Abraham apart. But the intent of God was never to only save one, one tribe or one group of people. The intent of God was to save the whole world, that this grace that he gave and the covenant that he gave to Abraham was not just for Abraham, but for all people. But he wanted a people, and it was really clear, that he wanted a distinctive people through whom the Messiah would come. It was not... God is a very committed God, and God's love is a very covenantal love. And, and, and real love has boundaries, the boundaries of security, boundaries of safety. But in order to experience the blessings of those boundaries, there has to be faithfulness. There has to be commitment. And so what happened was that these, the offspring of Abraham had the external signs but they weren't living the internal life. The whole of, of the Old Testament speaks to the fact that though they had these external signs, they treated them as if they were enough. Well, I have the law, that's enough. We have the temple, that's enough. I've been circumcised, that's all I need. And what's happening here is that Throughout the Old Testament and why God sent his prophets and his prophets often seemed like they were just scolding the people is that the very sign of circumcision, like the law, Paul says, condemns you rather than saves you. 
because you're not inwardly living up to what you have said outwardly. See, this is the same. There's a, there's a similarity in religious life today. There are a lot of people who say, well, you know, I was baptized in the Episcopal or Methodist Church or I was you know, christened. I was baptized as a baby, as a Presbyterian. Or maybe you came from, you know, a, a believer's baptism tradition and so you were baptized in a Baptist church or non-denominational church. It's so easy to take that outward sign and say, okay, I'm safe, I'm good. But this is the very thing that the Apostle Paul is dealing with here. He's dealing with people who appeal to an outward sign, a religious symbol, even a biblical sign, as significant and powerful as a covenantal sign, like in the Old Testament circumcision, here in the New Testament era, baptism. I mean, it is a beautiful sign from God of his covenantal mercy and grace. But it is a huge mistake, Paul is saying, so long as I have that sign, I am safe. Because, you see, the sign itself does nothing for you. The sign should symbolize what's already happened to you and what you're already committed to and what you're already relying on and devoted to. Because, you know, whether it's the cutting of circumcision or it's the water of baptism, neither saves you. Neither is a cause of right relationship with God. They are signs of right relationship with God, but they are not the cause of a right relationship with God. This is one of the issues with uh, at least traditional Roman Catholic uh, view of baptism. They, they actually teach that grace is infused to a child when they are baptized. That grace is given that the child through the water becomes a Christian. Well, I mean, Paul is basically saying whether it's circumcision or baptism, an outward sign cannot make you a Christian. An outward sign doesn't make you right with God. It has to be the indicator of the inward work of the Holy Spirit and your inward response to the Holy Spirit then becomes an outward sign of that inward work. See, Paul says it really clearly here. You know, he says, only if you keep the law does circumcision count. If you live the life symbolized by the sign. You know, Paul is saying, you should have taken hold of that covenant mercy of God through which he saves sinners, but instead of responding to God's covenant sign in obedience and faith, you have responded in faithlessness and disobedience. And then Paul says this, you have made circumcision, uncircumcision. In other words, he's saying, you've emptied that sign, beautiful covenantal sign, of its power and significance because you've made it into something it's not. The sign will not save you, he's saying. In a way, Paul is actually saying, you've reversed, when he says you've made circumcision uncircumcision, he's basically saying you've reversed that sign and it's no longer for you a sign of God cutting you off unto himself. Rather, it's become a sign of God cutting you off from himself. Whew. Wow. That's, that is a pretty dramatic statement Paul is making. This is why you have to be so, you know, 
aware of the religious traps of any form of self, self-salvation, of saying, you know, well, I go to this church or I've been baptized or I've, I, you know, I, I have this understanding of this or that. Anything outward becomes, actually can become a curse if it's not coming from the inside out. He said, Paul says, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So, what we really see again is Jesus, I mean, Paul is just an apostle of Jesus. He's not speaking for Paul. He's speaking for Jesus who speaks for God. And so the Lord Jesus made this really clear in his dealings with the Pharisees. There was one point in which the Pharisees were very angry at a statement of Jesus. Because he's, he's clearly, in this statement, he's, he's saying he is God. So they're not happy with this. And he said it in a very, very well-phrased way, as Jesus did. And the Pharisees are very upset at his uh, words and rebuke of them. And so here's, here's what they say. Pharisees say, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, they're really saying we have the mark of belonging to the people of Abraham. We are circumcised. And then they look at Jesus and they say, why do you speak to us as though we are uncircumcised dogs? And here, and this is John 8, and Jesus spoke some of his sharpest words to the Pharisees. Okay, remember, they have the law, they have the temple, and they have circumcision. But Jesus says, you are no true children of Abraham. Your father is the devil. Whoa. See, they're, they're counting on the external signs. And Jesus is looking at the internal reality. And he says, your biology is not your security. You have given yourself over to your father, the devil. That's a pretty, that's a pretty, pretty forward kind of state, aggressive even. Basically saying, you may be circumcised, but spiritually you are uncircumcised. And then, Paul, I know this is, I mean, I, I love this kind of theology because it really, it really helps you understand how, 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 how the schemes of the enemy are to get, whether you're, a, you know, whether you're an irreligious person or you're a religious person, the scheme is to blind you from your need for the Savior. I mean, think about these Pharisees. Their whole life is devoted to God. God is standing before them, and instead of receiving him, they're saying, look, we have the sign that we are, we are sons of Abraham. You can't talk to us like this. You can't tell us we need salvation. We're good. We have the sign. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. You think you're sons of Abraham. You're really sons of the devil. Now, I mean, in that kind of a clash, the Pharisees, you know, and, and all the religious leaders begin to think, how can we get rid of this guy? Instead of thinking, what if what he's saying is true? What if I really am that lost and everything I have invested in is wrong? And, and shut their mouths and, and got rid of their excuses and their defense of themselves. And, and they would have gotten to meet the God they said they were devoted to. But they chose to oppose him instead. See, the issue here, the issue here is trusting in, in Christ. I mean, that's, it all comes down to Jesus plus nothing. 
if you, if you really realize you have no righteousness of your own, and you no longer rely, you no longer rely on the church's symbols, you don't rely on, on even your own attempts to be good, and you recognize that you're lost and bankrupt. And Paul actually says, even the uncircumcised, who from their heart begin to align their life with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then what that is the true circumcision. That's the circumcision of the heart. See, everything, everything that's physical in, in the Christian faith, whether it's communion, the bread and the, the cup, or baptism, you know, all of these things, these are all pointing us to the true thing. They're, they are external realities that point to the, the, the inner reality where God is really wanting you to draw your eyes and say, Lord, circumcise my heart. Not the circumcision of the flesh, but being separated off from everything else in my heart, separating off in faith and trust and love and devotion and commitment and obedience to you, Lord. That, Paul is saying, is the real issue. Have you been circumcised of the heart? (laughs) Peter talks about it as well. He says, this is where your conscience, your, your sense of duty and loyalty, your sense of faithfulness and allegiance moves towards God inwardly. And then you take hold of the sign. You know, and you take hold of what it was always pointing to. Even the joy that I have in baptism. The baptism itself is pointing to the baptizer, Jesus Christ, our only Savior, coming to trust in Him alone. If all I see is the water in baptism, and you know, I'm switching back and forth between baptism and circumcision here. If all I see is the water, then I miss the point. And I might be physically baptized, but I haven't been spiritually baptized. Even Jesus says it so clearly. He John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And even he says with fire, the cleansing work of Jesus. So, again, it's, it's a check. In, it's a check in our spirit. It's a check in our lives and say, what is it I'm trusting in? What is my allegiance to? What do, what do I hold up? When I get in trouble, do I say, well, I'm a member of such and such a church. This proves I'm good. Or, or I've, I've got the signs of being a Christian, so that I must be okay. Paul is saying anything external you're holding on to has no value unless it's the expression of a reality that has happened internally, inwardly, willingly. I mean, it's one of the reasons... I'm not trying to pick on people who baptize babies, but if there's going to be a sign, it should be an expression of the person's inward commitment. It should be an expression of the person's already experiencing the inward work that now is symbolized by the outward sign. So I, whenever I baptize people, I, I want them to know as they go under the water that they are uniting 
They are uniting. They're recognizing that they are uniting their life to Christ in a public way because it's already happened privately. That they recognize they died with Christ. And when we bring them out of the water, that they're recognizing and proclaiming to their family, their friends, to the whole community, I am raised with Christ. But that from this point on, my life, my life is bound to Christ and Christ is bound to me. So the outward sign takes on great significance in those who have already experienced the internal work. So I conclude then with this. These signs, outwardly implied, always point us to the inward reality. These signs do not find their significance simply in being applied, but rather they find their significance in that the Holy Spirit has already been working in our hearts. That He's done what these signs mean, and then the signs become our public expression of what has already happened to us. And the result then is that we're not trying to be baptized to be clean, but we are clean, therefore we want to be baptized. We are blood-bought, we are blood-covered, we are atoned for, we know that our sins have been forgiven, we know that we've been united with Christ in His death, we know that we're united with Him in His resurrection. Then you see, baptism becomes incredibly significant, becomes a powerful significant um, expression of true faith doesn't make the person a Christian. It's the expression that this person is a Christian. And then this person who is heart circumcised, this is really the the whole point of what Paul's talking about here. Person who's heart circumcised is the person who finds his or her life no longer self-centered, no longer just thinking about what others think about me, but goes back to this idea of I have a God-centered life, not self-centered, not self-seeking, but seeking God with all my heart, centering my life on God. You see, what what Paul is really getting at here that's so, such a biblical truth and, and, and a thread that is woven throughout Scripture is this idea of trust in the Lord, wait on the Lord, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. See, every time we try to make our own way of salvation, we're trusting in ourselves. Every time we try to make a religious way of salvation or getting right with God, we're trusting in ourselves. It's only when we trust in what God has done for us and we believe what the Spirit is doing in us, then do those outward signs become powerful spiritual moments in our life. I mean, if you've never been baptized, you should be. If you are united with Christ, then you should, you should be baptized. But the baptism itself will not cleanse you. But the baptism is a powerful blow to the spiritual realm, to Satan and all the demons, to the community both of faith and the community outside of faith that says this person, their life, 
has been circumcised in the heart and baptized into the life of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And now there's an outward sign that everyone can see this inward circumcision and this inward baptism. It's very powerful when the inward is expressed in the outward. But if there is no inward, then Paul says the outward has no significance. God bless you. We'll talk some more tomorrow. All right. Good, I think. I mean, it's great. You look good. You ready to go? That's in my dream. Excellent. I got you. You want this other mask? Yeah.